Well, good morning. Good morning, Influence Church. How are you? All right, we are so excited about our new outdoor worship center, and uh, people are excited everywhere to be worshiping God, and I'm so glad that our Constitution begins with the words, we the people, not you the dictator. We are living in unusual times, times that demand more from you than you've been giving in the past. Times that demand courage, times that demand the spirit, the filling of the spirit, the power that comes from God alone. You may not know it, but we are in a battle. We're in a war for the very republic that we hold dear. You may not see it that far yet, but hopefully today, after I share something with you, about the French Revolution, you'll understand something of the battle that we're in today. It was on July 14, 1789, an anarchist mob went through the streets of Paris and stormed the Bastille Fortress, which had been used as a police station. Sound familiar? The king, endeavoring to be an enlightened monarch, did not forcibly respond. That, by the way, would lead to the reign of terror more than 60,000 people would be beheaded in a short period of time in France. Sadly, the more he showed benevolence to the unruly rioters, the more they were emboldened to commit violence. The French Revolution initiated an intentional campaign to separate, now listen, French society from its Judeo-Christian past and replace it with a civic religion of state worship. A lot of things happened following that. Because our Constitution was established in the year of our Lord, the French in 1792 decided that they would eliminate all references to God in their society. And so they began with the simple things, like let's eliminate the year starting with our Lord's death, and let's start a new year. So 1792 became the year the year one of the French society. Not ending there, they decided to change from a seven-day week or seven-day-a-week uh, uh, process into a 10-day-a-week process because they didn't want any reference to the Sabbath being a part because it was in the Bible. Then they began to change the time, and time would go into 10s instead of 12s because 12 is a divine number. And then later, that would lead to the number of man in their ideas, the number 10, would then become what we know today is the metric system. All of that came out of the French Revolution and an attempt to destroy and eliminate God from society. So this day, I'm publicly announcing, though we launched it last week, AmericanFaith.com. It's a new endeavor that we are establishing the purpose of which is a coalition of faith-based individuals in the United States focused on educating, empowering individuals to understand and exercise their constitutional freedom. We hope you'll visit our site. We have an image there of one of the pages, the home pages, and you can see that we are taking a bold stand to do some great things for God. And I'm excited about what's happening. You can go there and you can find a petition 
to uh, petition the governor to reopen the churches, and you can sign that. There's a lot of petitions out there. We want you to sign them all. Amen? Let me take you to the Word of God. In the book of Psalm, chapter 46, the Bible says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. I want you to go back and look at that. It doesn't say your income, your job, the state, your family or anything else. It says God is our refuge and he is our strength. He is always present. He's a present tense God. That's why he reveals himself as the great I am. That's why when Moses asked his name, he said, tell him that I am sent you. I am that I am. I will always be present tense in your life. I am your help. I am a very present help in time of trouble. Because of that, we do not fear. We do not fear. Even though the earth be removed. Now think about this cataclysmic event that he pictures here for us in the Psalms. Even though the earth is removed, the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. So you imagine this scene. Everything that is stable is now unstable. Everything you banked on is now being cast into the sea. But look what it says. There is a river. There is a river. The stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy, holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Have you ever noticed how many times God comes through what seems like the last minute? I mean, I love God, but I'd like his timing to be on mine sometimes. How about you? But you see, he tells us here, but it'll be at the break of dawn. In other words, God knows what he's doing. Sometimes we wonder, God, are you aware of what's going on? We'll ask that question. It's asked throughout the Bible. It's a good question to start with. It's a bad one to end with. God, you know what you're doing? Yes, I've got this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And the Bible says, and he will direct your path. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do not fear evil. He says, because I am with you. My rod and my staff, they comfort you. Why, in case you don't know it, I prepare a table before you in the presence of all of your enemies. Your cup is gonna overflow. Your head is gonna be anointed with oil. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, says the Lord, amen? Oh, the Bible says that God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. You see, when God speaks, when God acts, everything flips. You see, God is using us right now in this moment, preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. Do you know that your destiny is not here? Your home is not here if you know the Lord. And so you are, you are being prepared for an eternal weight of glory for, for this is like training going on. God wants to know, are you willing to be trained? Are you willing to stand in the midst of a storm? Are you willing to be what I told you you needed to be? Because Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. It wasn't like, maybe you will, maybe someone won't like what you're doing. No, you will have tribulation in this world. I spoke this morning with a representative from Church United, and I said, of the 3,000 churches in Southern California, or in all of California, actually, 
that opened up on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st. How many are open today? And he said, as far as I know, every one of them. Now, there are many closed, and I will not judge, will not shame. I just say that, that we are open. We're going to stay open. We're going to stay open on the basis of the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America. This phrase caught me in my spirit. It was uh, from a quote by Martin Luther King, Jr. He said this, the church is the conscience of the state. It is the conscience of the state. The church must be reminded, he said, that it is the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. Can you say amen? Put your hands together for that. The first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, John Jay, said this, it is the right and the duty of our pastors to press the observance of all moral and religious duties. We said last week, I want to reiterate it, all of the 27 grievances that appeared in the, in the Declaration of Independence were preached 20 years earlier by the pastors in America, and it was the founding fathers who took the grievances and put them into a document that we know today as a Declaration of Independence. You see, our nation was founded on God. South America was founded on people who were searching for gold, but America, North, North America was founded by people who were searching out for God. And we want to stay on that journey. Russell Amos Clark said, all culture arises out of religion. When religious faith decays, uh, decays, then culture must also decline. And then another quote from Nikki Haley, former governor and ambassador of the United Nations. She said this, just this last week, our society is built on the values of free speech and mutual respect. But cancel culture rejects both. Instead of mutual respect, it demands conformity. Instead of mutual respect, it tears people down. It basically says there's no point in talking through the difficult questions or trying to work them out through democracy and legislation. All that matters is some people forcing their views on all of society, telling the rest of us how to live, work, and think. If you have not stood and if you have not voted, Please, get registered to vote, vote. There are enough believers in California to overturn all this bad stuff that comes out of Sacramento. But we have to be willing to stand. You see, the battle lines are being drawn. The battle lines are being drawn. What is happening in America has little or nothing to do with the Republican versus Democrat. America's war is spiritual as two distinct religions are vying for control of the public square, transient and mutable secularism versus eternal, immutable Christianity. These two distinct religions cannot coexist, as one will ultimately go down as a consequence of the elevation of the other. Well spoken by David Lane. Which will you choose? It is in your hands to choose. 
I look back with a little bit of a smile on my face about prayers that we uttered uh, years in the past. God, I thank you for our freedom as Americans. Can't pray that one anymore. This is not just about trying to deal with a flu epidemic. This is bigger. And if you haven't seen that yet, you need to be a student and really do some research. What is happening in our world today is this push of socialism. Socialism, Marxism, and communism, the final goal of all is the state is God. The state is God. That's what socialism is. It eliminates God completely. There was a German philosopher by the name of Hegel, and Hegel made a big impact on people in his own day, but an even greater impact on those who would follow. One of his prized students was a man by the name of Karl Marx. Sound familiar? Communism, Karl Marx. Socialist, communist, Karl Marx. Here's what Hegel taught, and here's what socialism teaches. The state, and I'm not making this up, these are quotes from Hegel, the state is God walking on earth. We must worship the state. All the worth which the human being possesses, he possesses only through the state. The state recognizes no authority but its own, acknowledges no abstract rules of good and bad. The state is the ultimate end which has the highest right uh, against the individual whose highest duty is to be a member of the state. And so the state says, we will tell you how to educate your children when you can and in what manner and what location. The state will tell you what's healthy and what's not healthy, even if it means violating the Constitution of the United States. Trust me, no one ever pushes in government this way and intends to ever go back. Ground taken is not given up by the enemy. That's why we cannot let the enemy take the ground. The nation state is therefore, amen. Put your hands together for that. Hegel went on to say, the nation state is therefore the absolute power on earth. The important uh, aspect lies in self-subordination to the universal cause. Sobering, isn't it? They asked some millennials the question, what is socialism? 78% of them said it was going on social media or hanging out with their friends. We have dumbed down society till we cannot see the patterns of the past are coming back to us today. I think it's time to stand. What about you? It's time to stand. I couldn't get uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego off my mind, the story from the book of Daniel chapter three. And I kept going back and I just, uh, I was reading that and I was reading about uh, their stand against uh, the, the king at the time and their stand, uh, Daniel's stand against the king at the time. It was Daniel, by the way, in the first chapter who denied the king's request, actually mandate, for health reasons. They said, you must eat the king's food. We said, we're not gonna do it. Interesting parallel. You'll have to think about that one a bit. I did a wedding last night for a dear friend, his third one of their children I married, and uh, I always ask for funny things about the bride and the groom. 
and of the of the bride. He thought it was funny that his then fiance, now wife, uh, is a vegetarian but loves pepperoni and bacon. So we do live in a world of conflicting interests at times, don't we? Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? So the king had set up a golden image, and at the sound of the instruments, they were to bow down and worship the golden image. They were to put something in front of their god. It's the same thing that happened in Acts chapter five when they kept arresting the apostles and the angel let them out of jail. They go back to preaching and then they came in, they threatened them and they said, no, we must obey God and not man. See, we submit to governing authorities, but we obey God. Those are two different words. When you submit, you're saying, I'm gonna do what I think God wants me to do and if you think it's wrong within your, uh, your, your list of laws, then you can arrest me. But I'm gonna obey God, I'm not gonna obey man. Amen? All right, let's go on with the story. If you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the burning, fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? This poor king, he was setting himself up for a big loss. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Do you, do you just feel the courage there? Do you feel, does it feel different than trying to always just appease people? No, we, we're not, we don't even need to answer you on this. Let me tell you what we're going to do, and then you can do what you want to do. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery, the burning fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't, if God has another plan and we're gonna go up and smoke, then I want you to know this. If not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. You see, Whenever someone has courage, it strengthens the spine of other people too. You have to be willing to stand. Do you realize that this is not just a story from the Old Testament? This is also a prophetic future moment where there's coming a time when the Antichrist will demand worship of him. And everything you see in Scripture, it, it has a historical application in that moment but most things have a prophetic application in the future. In other words, God is releasing some things in the Old Testament to help you understand what's gonna be happening in your future. Same way in the New Testament. You see these, these glimpses of God's prophetic truth, and so when you start to read the Word of God and you see things, wait a minute, I think I read about this guy in Revelation chapter 13. The Antichrist, he comes, he says, no one is gonna be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark on the hand or the forehead. In other words, think about this, 2,000 years ago, John the Apostle wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that there is coming a ruler in the days ahead and cash will be worthless. Unless you bear a mark, you could, now think about how crazy that must have sounded 2,000 years ago. Think about how easy it is to understand that in today lingo because things are happening, aren't they? 
We never could have imagined that there would be some chip that you would go put in you and you could scan your hand over the barcode at, at uh, the grocery store and make all your purchases, and yet that day is upon us. And it's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. I love also that the Bible says that every eye is going to see him, chapter one of the book of Revelation, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Now think about John writing that, saying that simultaneously everybody will see the return of Christ, even those who pierce his hands. How is that possible? Well, for those living, it's possible because we have a device. We can watch in real time everything that's happening worldwide. But also, I believe that God's power is so infinite that what happens is when he makes a revelation, if he wants everyone to know it simultaneously, they know it simultaneously. Amen? All right, let's go on with the story. Daniel chapter three, verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar, now they've thrown him into the fiery furnace, and, uh, and they're getting ready to see the kickback of what God's going to do. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? He's doing a little fact check here. Want to make sure there's no fake news going on. How many did we put into the fire? Three men went in there, and they were bound, it says, and the king said, uh, and they answered the king, uh, true, O king, look. And he answered, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now let me show you something here. The first attack that happened in the Garden of Eden was against the Word of God. You remember the question that was asked? Satan asked, did God say? Did God really say that, or did he really mean that? It's kind of like when a Christian says, well, I know the Bible says that, but I, I need a loophole here. I gotta get a loophole. Did God say? Now, what's really interesting about this, when you study this passage in the Hebrew, the term is translated correctly the way I have it on the screen, and the fourth is like the Son of God. But remember, if the first attack was on the Word of God, and there are over 300 English translations of the Bible today. If you study yours, you might find that yours has done a little bit of damage to that portion of Scripture. Because some of them say, and the fourth is like the son of the gods. This uses a term here, a Hebrew phrase and term, that always points you back to the Messiah. This was not some god of the Babylonians. This was the true God. This was the, 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 the revelation and the manifestation of the Son of God in the fiery furnace, the same one that's gonna be with you in your fiery furnace, the same one that's gonna be with you in your time of trouble, whether you're down or up, he is with you. He is always with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be your God. And God was in the middle of that fiery furnace. Amen? You know what I love about these guys? Three things, they would not bow. They would not bend, and they would not burn. If you'll, if you'll just take care of the first two, he'll take care of the number three. You just say, I'm just not gonna bow, I'm not going to bend. I mean, we've got this entire culture now that wants to, to kneel in rebellion against the, our, our flag that millions of people have, have loved and given their life for, many have given their life for over the, over the last 200 years. I'm sorry, I only bend my knee to Jesus. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we ever have a right 
to hold prejudice in our heart, to hold hate in our heart. We are to love all men. All men are made in the image of God. And we are to respect every man and woman, boy and girl, regardless, regardless who they are. I need, to re- I need to respect my, my neighbor down the street that's Muslim. I need to respect him. I don't agree with him, but I respect him. And I give him the right to be an American in this nation we call the United States of America that indeed is a melting pot of all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things. And that's why free speech becomes so powerful. And that's why cancel culture is so dangerous. Don't talk. Don't speak. Just let us be heard wherever we go. I think it's time to stand up. Would you stand up with me right now? You might be tempted to sit down. Stand up. Can you say it with me? Stand up. Want to quit? Stand up. Ashamed? Stand up. Tired? Stand up. Afraid? Stand up. Feel inadequate? Stand up. All alone? Stand up. Stand to your feet if you're not already standing, and let's put our hands together and give God the glory. Would you do that right now? Clap like you mean it. Clap like you mean it. Give God the glory. Glory, honor, and praise belong to our God. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a moment in every person's life where you have, to, you have to come to an understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord if you're ever going to become a Christian, if you're ever going to be saved, if you're ever gonna be born again, those are all terms that mean exactly the same thing. And that happens when you recognize Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Because he died in your place for your sins so you wouldn't have to die for your sins. And when, when he died for you and you put your faith in him, he died for your sins, but then the second part was just as necessary, he rose to give you eternal life. He died for your sins, he rose to give you life. So the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, we will be saved. Did you hear that? It's a promise of God. It's based on the character, the nature, and the authority of God. You will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. This is why society wants to denigrate that name. It is because it is the only name that brings people into relationship with with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've not prayed that prayer yet, can I just encourage you right now just to join me in praying this prayer? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me right now, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen, amen. If that was your decision, whether you're watching online, whether you're in this room, or whether you're outdoors, then just know that he saved your soul. And we want to be that help to you. We want to be that guide to you. We want to encourage you because God's raising up end-time warriors to make a difference in this nation. Amen? And around the world. Amen.